What's going on? Jeff Fuller back with you. So glad that you've made the time to uh, join and listen. Uh, Jeff Fuller is my name, but you can certainly subscribe on YouTube, J Fuller Interviews. Join the Facebook group, J Fuller Interviews. Follow on Instagram and Twitter, J Fuller Interviews. And now a podcast on all the platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, as the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of J Fuller Interviews. I believe people's stories will make our story much better if we will just take the time to listen to them, learn from them, unlearn what we thought we knew, and relearn what will help us in the future. And uh, one with a tremendous story is Todd Marinovich. Todd, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, I just want to get to a bunch of things. Uh, you are a special person, uh, somebody that I've watched for a while, and I'm just going to start. Um, my parents did not have cable television, and so my wife, who is from Michigan, makes fun of me because I grew up a Notre Dame fan because Notre Dame football was on TV. <laughs> that, that's probably offensive to you because you went to USC Talk to me, who did you grow up watching as far as sports? Was it just the Trojans because of your dad's connection, or did you love all sports? I loved them all, and I couldn't escape uh, the USC and Trojan uh, connection. And so I was going to USC games as a kid. And, um, but I tell you, I had a an amazing uh array to choose from from the the rams the raiders uh the chargers and not only uh pro football but i, I was a basketball fanatic and it, it was my favorite sport i love hoops and so the 80s were really a great time for basketball and uh yeah i uh without sports jeff i don't know if i'd be here <laughs> yeah, there's something that's freeing, and uh, somebody just told me that it's uh, the basketball court was their sanctuary. Yes, and I grew up with a difficult uh, background as well. Um, when did you feel as though you were playing football, or were you? Did you just always know football was the sport that you had to choose? It's probably about the eighth grade. Um, I was actually, it was off season uh, for the Rams. My dad was coaching for the Rams. And I remember um, they let me come out and throw with them. And um, it was an experience that I knew I was talented throwing the ball, but I enjoyed basketball more. And, but I was getting a lot of outside influence saying, I think, you know, you should focus I'm being a quarterback, but um, just being around uh, football as a youngster, that's just, you know, what I wanted to do because that's what, that's what I saw and, and I wanted to do that. And so um, it was a good experience. How tall are you? Well, I'm not as tall as I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> when I was playing, I was 6'5", but I think I've, I've been knocked down by gravity. So when did you get your growth spurt? You know, I was just steadily, I really didn't have, I was uh, always the tallest kid in class since kindergarten. And uh, I remember my freshman year when I went to modern day, I was six, one and a half. <laughs> and that's a tall, tall freshman. Yeah. Um, and then I gradually grew uh, 
to six five. And uh, starting as a freshman, I know a lot of people look at uh, underclassmen playing varsity sports as well. Wow, you're special. This is awesome. But I know that it does take a toll and you feel that pressure because, I mean, you're 14, 15 years old with seniors in high school. Um, and it was, it was shared so well in the documentary. But could you just talk about how did you feel? Did you feel special when you were a freshman on that football team? You know, that by far, that was the most difficult um, thing to overcome uh, because of just the age and the maturity difference. Uh, you know, being a, a rookie in, in, in the huddle, you know, 21 years old and, and being around some 10, 12-year veterans, that's a gap, but, but yeah. nothing like a, you know, a 14-year-old and an 18-year-old. Right. And uh, I was terrified. And I, I wasn't, there wasn't a lot of camaraderie around me to be the guy. Cause of course the junior and the senior has been there and all his boys were on the team. And so, um, it was difficult and, um, but it worked out. Yeah, it did. Uh, Todd. So something we talked about with sports being a sanctuary or an outlet, uh, art is, it is now for you and seemingly always has been. When did you realize that you enjoyed art? <laughs> as far as I can go back, hmm. um, you know, from kindergarten years, it was always, um, it was never long enough. And uh, I always, um, you know, really didn't think about doing it for a living. It was just something that I did, like breathing. I, I, I have to create and... Um, and I get to do that today, which is really a blessing. Now, Todd, Todd Marinovich, making some time behind me. I was listening to uh, interviews all day today, actually, and I watched the uh, ESPN 30 for 30 last night, just getting uh, more prepared for this time. But um, you have a tremendous story, and it does involve uh, ups and downs. And so I just want to ask, how long have you been sober now? You know what? Jeff, I take it day at a time and, um, it's a, uh, it's a challenge and you know what the, I'm happy that, uh, I have an opportunity today to, um, to enjoy what life has to offer because it, it, it hasn't always been that way. And, um, the thing that I'm really grateful for is, uh, just the people around me, because I tell you what, I, I, I've tried to do this journey alone and uh, it just, uh, it doesn't really work out so well. And, um, so, you know, if anybody's struggling out there, it, the only thing that I can say is that, um, you're not alone yeah. and it gets better. What year did the uh, ESPN 30 for 30? God, it's been 10 years. What wow. a trip. Yeah. And to give you a little uh, something I've been working on with a friend. Uh, his name's Sean Pamphilon, and he's an amazing artist. And his uh, chosen medium is long-form documentary. Hmm. And he did a piece on uh, Ricky Williams, Run, Ricky Run. I don't know if you saw it. It was great. 
and we've been working together for seven years and uh we're just starting to add it and it's going to be amazing well congratulations i'm excited about that yeah uh, i had the opportunity to interview nolan neal and i'm not name dropping but he was a contestant on america's got talent and uh -huh. he struggled through substance abuse and so I asked him now that he's been on TV and people want to uh, interview him, how much that uh, pressure, that temptation there is, even more so than before. And he said that he, he does struggle. Did you find that after that documentary, there was a deeper temptation to escape or to uh, go back into some of those things? I don't think that there was a, a greater you know, temptation after, um, if anything, I really felt more of a connection with people hmm. after that was aired and, and it was seen by a lot of people. It was on Netflix for years and I'm was stoked that people may have seen something that they didn't or, or didn't know or saw a human side that, um, we all deal with and that's why i think we can relate and i didn't re re really realize at the time that how many people would connect to the story and it was a lot of um women that um thought that they needed to be this way the, the connections were really endless from people that struggled with addiction or, or or ones that had great expectations put on them it was just um it was cool to to connect with people in that way yeah hey um so with your dad marv yes. what were his uh parents like what were your grandparents like well my grandfather was a rancher in northern california my uh, my dad grew up on a cattle ranch um i never met my grandfather um but i did get a chance to be around my grandmother for a little while in my really young youth and it was uh in summers we drive to northern california and, and um i envied what it would be like to live on a ranch hmm. Hmm. uh how old did you realize that you had a certain men, amount of expectation or pressure on you? Um, probably high school. Hmm. Because, you know, and I can't even imagine in today's world playing it because I went to uh, a big game last year because I have my oldest um, – son baron is 11 and so he's all about go figure football um and i took him to a modern day game and they were playing it was uh st john bosco and they're two just i think the number one team playing the number two team in the nation and they're and they're actually in the same league and um it's like college football was when i was playing high school today it's crazy um so the pressure on these kids, I mean, it, it is tremendous. And I went back to SC, this was a few years ago. And when you, when you see the, you know, the Trojans and, and they have all their armor and their helmet on, they're Trojan football players. But when you see them stripped down, I was blown away at their kids. Yeah. yeah. And because of all of, what comes with uh, 
college football and, and football in, in our uh, country, um, we forget yeah. that, you know what, this is, um, this is a little crazy. <laughs> We're putting these kids out there on a stage that um, is unforgiving. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times emotionally they aren't ready or prepared. And uh, I was just no. reminded, reminded of the article about you being Robo QB. And uh, so a silly question is, can you watch RoboCop or does that movie have like zero meaning or influence on your life now because how that comparison was? Yeah. Yeah. People thought that my friends were actually calling me. <laughs> it wasn't like a nickname that stuck, thank God. So, Todd, um, with that documentary, with your father just so motivated to make you something that he thought would be best, that he saw the potential in you, uh, when did you have your first Big Mac? So I didn't hear your last comment, sorry. When did you have your first Big Mac or fast food sandwich? <laughs> um see i was a i wasn't a fan of mcdonald's it was being out here in california it's it's all about the in and out burger and so i was um i was actually at modern day and won an award for being player of the week and they gave you a little certificate booklet of free in and out goodies and so i just became a a fan immediately. So it seems as though every story or movie needs to have a villain. And I think uh, a lot of people have portrayed your father as the villain in your life. Can you just talk about that relationship that you had with your dad? Yeah, it's sad that there has to be a villain. And um, because he was not that, um, you know, he had a passion uh for training athletes that um, was unparalleled and mm -hmm. um, you know it's a shame that that some may think of it that way because that that's not what it was it was mm -hmm. um, there was some misguided love uh, and being a parent now it, it, it it's changed my perspective in that way that um you know kids will change your life oh, and cool. they have mine and um i love my dad and it's uh you know jeff it, this life is um i've been experiencing a lot of death and that's part of life and, and mm -hmm. i'm getting older and that's what happens and i've lost a, a lot of teammates um my dad is still with us, but not mentally, um, and that's and that's been really hard. Um, but I know that he loved me, and everything that he did in his mind um, was out of love, and I and I and I and I believe that. And so, um, all I'm trying to do today is love my kids. Yeah, and and I try to keep it as simple as I can. And that in itself is very special. Uh, as a pastor, I've officiated uh, several funerals uh, this year. And I'm just reminded that growing up isn't all it's cracked up to be. And uh, we want to get there so fast. And we're trying right. to kids slow down and enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. 
Uh, talk to me about uh, going to the Raiders and leaving school early. There's a whole story in that, but finally yeah. making it to the NFL. And I just thought it was so poignant that uh, you had that conversation with your dad after uh, your NFL start, and he was just so proud of you, and you knew it. Uh, relive those moments, if you would, with me. Yeah, it was a uh, really a pinnacle uh, a time because uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, and that, and that's the one thing that you know. When I, if I if I do talk with kids, there, there's just no shortcuts. You just you just don't wind up playing on Sunday, um, and so there was a lot of work involved. In, and when it finally came uh, true. Um, it was surreal, really. And the Raiders taking me was unbelievable. It was, um, and then me not leaving stadiums, getting to stay in the Coliseum. And my friends are playing on Saturday and I'm playing on Sunday. And of course, they're hanging out with me in Manhattan Beach where I'm living. Um, it was crazy. Um, really great experience. And what, when you bring up Raiders, what do I think? I think of some great, players that I got to play with. And I get chills today to saying great players from turning around, handing it to Marcus and, and watching Marcus run and watching Eric Dickerson run. Um, you know, Howie and uh, the list goes on. And so, you know, was my career short? Yes, but it was packed. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, Jeff, I like to say I, I'm a fan of quality, not quantity. <laughs> well, up here in the Northeast, especially with the Patriots' recent success, and then, of course, with the Boston Celtics, we always look at uh, what's taking place immediate. But just seeing what you were a part of, you're so right about um, all those experiences and just what a special time it was. Um, I'm trying to go back and forth with being light and then being deep because your story is just so intense. But I look, I look at your hair here and just being long and wavy <laughs> and flowing. And now I believe that you have it shaved. Yes. Uh, wh what was that change like for you from being that young, good-looking kid that everyone, <laughs> everyone wanted to be like to now being a grown-up and just having experienced life knowing that it isn't all fun and games? <laughs> That's a good one. And the thing about it was I knew it was coming because I could look at my uncle and I knew it was coming from my mom's side. I was like, I don't have a chance in the world. So while I have hair, I might as well rock it. <laughs> uh, when we think about um, all the stories that have come out in the reports of uh, your ups and downs and uh, you being high and uh, even doing drugs in the middle of a game or halftime, can you just share some of those low points? Not saying like, oh, what cool stories, but man, how how desperate were you during those times? Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't pretty. And um, there wasn't glamour. There wasn't very much glamour there either. Um, when, you know, substance abuse gets to a level, it's... I need it like I need air. And um, so it's shocking to, to some because I was an athlete doing that. But this goes on in it, every profession in, in the world. And um, 
I was seeking uh, relief, though I was killing myself. And, and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a terrible um, way to live. And we call it partying, yeah. but really, in truth, when you're at this level of abuse, there's, there's no party in, in it. So, uh, you know, the, the times that I was playing, I was playing to get that paycheck and that paycheck, it was going right into my arm. And so um, I wasn't living. And because I had spent so much time playing this game, well, how else am I going to make <laughs> make the money? I'm not a, a, a good robber or uh, um, so I'm an athlete that likes to get high. And so I found myself in some very precarious positions. And yeah. thank God I'm still here with you. Yeah, that's for sure. I have a good yes. friend. Um, he was clean and sober for two years, and he told me that was the cleanest he had been uh, ever in his life, uh, except for being in jail. He's like, you can't help but get clean when you're in jail. But uh, he died of a heroin overdose because, well, he had been clean, and his body was not ready for what he injected himself with. When you relapsed a few years ago, um, did you have that awareness of, of what was possible? Oh, completely. And what is scary is that even with that awareness, you're not safe. There's no safe shot or it's just, you're playing roulette and, um, you know, I, I like to think that um, that's not going to happen, but that, you know, that could if I choose to go down that road. And um, and I, too, have lost several very dear, dear friends. And um, I just choose not to do that today. And again, Todd Marinovich, making some time at MarinovichArt.com. And you can certainly follow him on Twitter, Marinovich.art. Uh, behind me, there's a picture of you at USC against Michigan. Uh, yes. I shared off air that uh, I grew up a Notre Dame fan. My wife is from Michigan, so uh, she does not. She says I only like Notre Dame because of Rudy, but I'm like, no, it was the only game. <laughs> but talk to me about how much fun it was, like the good times, playing at USC, huge wins. Uh, just talk about the joy that you got to experience. It was super fun. I, uh, there was nothing like it. And, and when you bring up Michigan, that what a cool, I love, I think they have the best uniforms in football. Let's just say that for sure. Helmets. I mean, those things are bad and getting to play them in the Rose bowl, the granddaddy of them all come on. It was, um, it was unbelievable. Uh, and I got to play on a great team. Our defense was, uh, and the thing is, I got to practice against those guys for two years, and no, nobody I faced on Saturday was like the team I was playing, practicing against every day. And so that prepared me. Um, but I remember in that Rose Bowl looking over and seeing um, their legendary coach, Bo Schembechler, throw his headset <laughs> on the ground, and I knew he had him at that moment. <laughs> oh, man. Um 
Todd, talk to me a little bit about um, being a lefty. Is that something that you ever wanted to change or try to use both hands? Or if you see like Patrick Mahomes throwing no-look passes now, what advantage was it for you being left-handed? I think it is. Um, just in the fact that defenses don't see it. Uh, they're just used to seeing right-handers. And so, um, God, I remember playing – against the, the Giants and it was LT and he's on uh, the offense's left side because most right-handed quarterbacks are right-handed. So um, I was really grateful that I was a lefty because I could keep an eye on LT. And, and, he, and people say it was the like last year, last two years of his career and he was still somebody you needed to keep an eye on. That's how what a player he was. Who's someone you remember just hitting you so hard that, well, you still remember it? <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about the ones I can't remember. <laughs> um, my first game as a pro in Dallas, Russell Maryland hit me. And he wasn't a tall guy, but I mean, he was a load. And he got a full run, for, at least from hash mark to hash mark. And I rolled out, had pressure, stopped to throw back across the field, and he hit me in the jaw. And um, I knew it. I was hit. <laughs> this was real. This wasn't a dream. But, so, um, yeah, there were some collisions going on, and that's just part of the game. Now, with um, all the talk about concussions and everything that's taking place there and the new developments with technology, with padding and helmets, how important is that, and uh, how much has that changed even since when you played? Gosh, hot topic, Jeff. Um, you know, my theory, I could be wrong, is that as the game has developed and as technology has developed, um, what it's done has given the player more confidence to play with reckless abandon. I think back in the day when my dad played, the gear was so bad uh, that uh, they weren't using their heads as much. Mm -hmm. And I think even the era prior to that, where it was like leather helmets, mm -hmm. they're arm tackling and they're not torpedoing like, uh, I experienced yeah. like the whole secondary are torpedoes right. and, and they're not tackling. They're coming in about three feet off the ground head first torpedoing. And so in my generation, the gear got better. And so I think it just gave guys a false sense of security, what mm -hmm. they could do. And um, they just led with the head. That's mm -hmm. the way they play. So I want to go back to a uh, probably difficult uh, topic or memory, but that's when you were arrested or pulled over by one of your high school teammates. And uh, can you just, do you remember, um, did you feel embarrassed or shame when you got pulled over or did you kind of feel like uh, it's going to happen one of these days? What was that experience like for you? You know, um, you say shame. Yes. When there's addiction involved, you're going to get guilt. You're going to get shame. 
Um, and that just digs a deeper hole that um, isolates you. Because that's, that's what we're talking here. I say addiction, it could be a missing connection. Um, I'm disconnected from me. I'm disconnected from the source and I'm disconnected from you. And so that's addiction. Now, how do I get out of that? I need to connect with people. I need to find, I'm not connecting with myself. So maybe if I can connect with people that will help me connect with me. Yeah. And, um, so when you say being arrested, Jeff, I've been arrested countless times and they've all been not fun. Yeah. And, um, but experiences nonetheless. And, um, it's, uh, it's part of my story. Yeah. And I love the fact that you are so honest with your story. Um, I heard an interview where you said that you had to be, that just helped get you through. And I just think the connection piece with your two children, that must be the sa a saving grace. I know my son is a freshman in college. My daughter's a junior in high school. And uh, I stopped from doing dumb things because I know, man, I really need to stay connected with them. Could you just share a little bit more what it means to have a son and daughter? Oh, I mean, is it a challenge? Yes. But rewarding? Yes. And um, to see them grow and um, they are just, they're just amazing little humans. And it is uh, an experience that I knew intuitively I didn't want to miss. Um, and it's uh <laughs> no having two um is challenging because i feel like i'm the referee part of the time and i, and I don't want to be the ref i never wanted to be a referee <laughs> i'm like guys please help me with this but um i have some good talks with mom about because growing up i was Mr. Wine and my sister was Miss Tease. And <laughs> I get to relive that again with my two. Uh, it, it's it's a trip. And um I tr you know what? Because I, I think I know because I've experienced and and do I really? And I have to step back a lot of the time and um let them find their way. And mm. it's hard. Yeah. Because we, I, I think I know what's best just because, just because I have lived longer. Um, you know, so I have to check myself and, and I, and I got people that I can turn to because I had a late start with having children and most of my friends are having their kids are graduating from college. So, uh, I get some great, um, suggestions from that. So. Like I said, without people, you know, to bounce ideas off to, this is what I'm going through, um, man, I'd be lost. That's so good. And uh, Todd, thanks again for making the time. A couple questions, then we'll get you out. And I just have a question because I'm curious. When Would you quit putting up that picture, though? <laughs> I think it's great. The ultimate mullet. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, it's a good picture, but um, I'll go to this one. When ESPN came to you and they said they wanted to do a 30 for 30, what apprehensions did you have and what made you finally say yes to the project? Yeah, it was weird when um, 
they approached me because I had no interest in doing a documentary. Um, and then I thought about it. And what was the motivating factor was I wanted to um, change the perception a little bit about Marv. And um, if they could, you know, see a little bit more uh, of the story, you know what, that, that might do it because um, he has helped so many people, so many young athletes over the years. It, it, it's staggering the number of from um, female athletes to to you know to male and uh, it wasn't just football it was like he was enriching people's lives for decades and um i was and i i saw it on a day-to-day um just the the passion the love um uh, for athletics man and, and uh it was an amazing experience to see so it was documented that he used some unusual or non-typical training uh, routines for you. I look at CrossFit now or American Ninja Warrior or some of the things that are on TV of these people doing some radical things. If that was around back when you were a kid, would you be participating in American Ninja Warrior? or doing- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But <clears throat> he had me doing some wild things over the years and it, and a lot of it came from german and russian um olympic training of athletes uh but i'll tell you today's again todd marinovich whoops um a lot of marv's ideas are showing up uh, all over and when somebody is a um, ahead of the field, while they're still here, people call them crazy. But in time, they see the genius. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think Marv really fits that class. Todd, I believe uh, that freedom can come with faith in Jesus and the truth from just knowing there's a higher power. What helps you each day? Is there that aspect of faith? Yes. And I can relate it to my cell phone. Hmm. If I don't plug this thing in in the morning or at night, and I thought, how's my day going to go with my phone that day? It's not going to go. And I'm no different. If I don't connect to this, you know, I call it many things, the force, the source, this, this um, energy, um, I'm not going to do so well. And I, and I keep it simple. And there are many ways to connect. And I think our world is changing in that way that we don't necessarily need to go into a structure. Um, but if you do, that's cool. Um, so it's finding it, finding yeah. what connects you and nature's always been there for me and, and living on the beach, um, there's nothing like the ocean and, and it's hard to describe. Um, but I know that I feel different and, and um, so it, it, it's personal to everybody, uh, 
their beliefs and their faith. Um, but it, it's, it's as important to me as my creativity, my children without a connection, it's just, um, it'd be like black and white. Now we're, a connection you got color and, and i'm addicted to it as you can see I, I mean i'm throwing color all around well and i don't mean to name drop but i am going to promote that uh chris mccandless the book into the wild by john krakauer i'm actually interviewing his sister kareen and she's going to talk about her book the wild truth and just how chris felt such a connection to nature and that just helped him uh get resolved from everything that he grew up with and so i think it's so huge and what a beautiful place to be living is whether by the ocean or in the mountains is just very special. Final question I have for you, Todd, Todd Marinovich, MarinovichArt.com on Instagram, Marinovich.art is where you can follow him. Your kids are relatively young. How do you plan to have them learn from your experience without preaching to them of your experience? Hmm. And that's such a fine line when you say, preaching and or like i got a lot of lectures um and they're no different they're they're they just they're tuning that out um like i did so it's um one thing I, that i really realized was they're not listening to what i'm saying they're watching what i'm doing and mm. um they are so kids are so in tune with a vibe that you're putting out um, that it really doesn't matter what you're saying. Because <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not listening to that. Um, and what's helped our relationship is this, I had to kind of wait till this age appropriate. I didn't know what that was. Right. Um, but I have an idea and um, they're getting to the age now where my past with drug abuse is becoming relevant, which it's coming younger and younger every, you know, every year. Um, kids are getting involved at fourth grade. It's like, that's how old my kids are. It's crazy. Um, so it's being honest with them. And, and, and I think that is the key. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, the important conversations typically are uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> They're the ones that matter. So, right. uh, Todd, Todd Marinovich, thanks so much for making the time. Certainly a pleasure for me. And uh, your story, it needs to be shared because what you have learned is worth telling. Now, if we will learn from your experience, that's worth living. And, uh, Todd, thanks so much. Wow. Appreciate that, Jeff. Thanks. Again, Todd Marinovich, make us some time at marinovichart.com and follow him on Instagram, marinovichart. Um, thanks so much. It's a pleasure being with you. My name is Jeff Fuller, Jay Fuller Interviews, Jay Fuller Interviews on YouTube, the Facebook group, Instagram, and Twitter. And now the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews on Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever there's a podcast. You can find it there. And thanks again for making the time. Todd Marinovich, what a story. Hey, Todd, are you still there?